You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good afternoon. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded, or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast. I'm David Hall from the Mullen Hall Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears. And we can be found on your free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can watch us on the 670 The Score's YouTube page. Dan, kind of quiet in terms of activity. Not much going on at Hallis Hall except for maybe the continuation of the Ryan Poles public relations campaign. But we will go through this uh this flurry of moves that the Bears just completed, and I think it gives us an opportunity to look at each guy maybe more specifically and how they might be used in the offense. I think we should start on that side of the ball. We can talk about what the Bears are still doing in, in regard to scouting the quarterbacks, and we can comment on what Ryan Poles had to say about the trade he made and the one he nearly didn't, or the one he didn't make but nearly did, yeah. and, and that'll be interesting. So let's get started. Uh, how are things going? Did you have a good weekend? Yeah, it was good. Uh, we did get the 10U uh, Royals baseball team assembled. Uh, we have a 10-player roster, and there's some controversy about the 11th player. That's a, a story for a whole nother episode. Uh, but I feel good about, about what the 10U Royals are going to do with free agency, David. I think it's like, if you've ever been to the beach, and there's like the, this long stretch of of good surf, and it's like, you know, the waves are crashing. They're great, great. And then suddenly it just calms down and it's calm, and all of a sudden the seas, there's nothing on them. That's what it feels like right now for the Bears. They made 10 additions last week to their roster. Uh, that includes DJ Moore, uh, and now it's just kind of quiet as, as the second and third waves of free agency begin, and I think they'll obviously have some some say in, in continuing to fortify their roster, but we have reached a little bit of that lull period here as we, uh, as we prepare to uh, cross this bridge into next week, which will be the owners' meetings uh, down in Arizona, which will have a lot of activity as well. Before we go player by player on the new offensive guys, uh, about that lull, about that time between the owners' meetings and the first wave of free agency, 
and the draft still, you know, about a, over a month away. What are the Bears looking for right now? I think the second or third wave, if you will, C.J. Chauncey um, or, or Gardner Johnson signed with the Lions. That was a big signing for the division. There's not many other players out there, I think, that are worth a lot of money or heavy investment, Dan. But what are they looking for if they're looking at all? And how do they explore the trade market if that's one way that they would be looking for new players. Yeah, I think you're, you're going to wait on that and probably until after the draft because you still have resources to use to fill holes that you have. As to for what they're looking for, I think it's anything and everything. I mean, you go down this roster, David, and there's not a lot of high-end talent. There's not a lot of quality depth, and you have a lot of holes to fill on both sides of the ball at pretty much every position. And so uh, you have to be open-minded through this. I wrote uh, at ChicagoTribune.com for Monday morning that, look, you've got one guy on your roster who has been an all-pro selection at any point in his career. That's Eddie Jackson. Only two others have been honored with Pro Bowl recognition. It's Cody Whitehair and Tremaine Edmonds. And so you understand how much work there is to do just to get the high-end talent on this roster, which hopefully will come through a series of really, really good drafts over the next few years. But beyond that, it's the depth that bothers me the most or worries me the most because they have nothing in terms of quality depth across both sides of the ball. And that's where Ryan Poles has to be very active, both with these latter waves of free agency, which you get the prove-it deals, the one year, like, come in here and prove to the rest of the world who you think you are. And then you have to be aware of some other teams' cuts, you know, in the, in the coming weeks and months to be able to to be able to pounce because the Bears are not uh, in a position where they can be selective or picky. They have to be open-minded to just about every player who's available. Along those lines, Bengals left tackle Jonah Williams requested a trade after they signed Orlando Brown Jr. because they couldn't believe he was available to them. There's a great story out there. Uh, Zach Taylor uh, <laughs> couldn't believe his good fortune when he went down to take a nap. They didn't have Orlando Brown Jr. He woke up to text messages telling him that Joe Burrow's blindside would be protected by a Pro Bowl tackle. They seem pretty happy to work out their scheme so it fit Orlando Brown Jr., but as a result of that, their current incumbent left tackle, Jonah, Jonah Williams, wants out of Cincinnati. Could that be a possible call that Ryan Poles makes? Not that he's a guy that would answer every question, but they're, like you said, the depth is what is the biggest concern. Even if you're not necessarily getting frontline Pro Bowl type players, you need bodies that you can trust on that offensive line. Well, no question. But I do think that you are in a holding pattern in terms of giving up too much resource-wise. And you want to try to build this thing through the draft. And so I think that you take your next swings on the offensive line uh, in the draft. you know, And then you sort of reassess things when you get into May on where you're at and what's still out there and what's still available. And so I just think that's kind of the, the transition that has to go on inside a front office when you're at this period. You're still shopping those bargain shelves of free agency. You're still seeing what's out there. And then you're just ultimately trying to position yourself to have a really, really effective and purposeful draft in the last week of April to, to continue to fortify this roster. And then you reassess from there. I mean, I know we will. And, and look, I think they, they've got something like um, 26 roster spots available still, I think, as of, as of Monday morning. But look, the bottom guys that are currently on the roster are expendable. So if they want to go sign 28 players via the draft free agency, undrafted free agency, whatever it is. There, 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 there's plenty uh, on this roster that, that provides wiggle room to do whatever you want to do in the next couple months. All right, let's take a closer look at that roster, especially the new offensive players that have been added player by player. I think there's six guys we want to go through. And overall, I think that when I went on the, the Twitter uh, machine today earlier and I got onto the Bears account, it was like I felt 
I was following this uh, minivan at the traffic light and you pull up behind it and there's a big bumper sticker like my son is an honor student at Prairie Ridge <laughs> Elementary. You know, the Bears are proud of the people they signed. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. They're prouder of the grades they have received from analysts out there who would be previously ignored that now have some sort of gravitas. Because did you see who gave us an A? Did you see who gave us an A minus? Did you see who? Okay. So it's noise. Overall, yeah, let, it's noise. It, it's noise, but it's fun and it's positive. So, okay, let's let's get into that a little bit. DJ Moore, I think a consensus is that he's part of this free agent class, even though he was a trade, even though he's the reason they made the trade when they did. Dan, schematically, number one, how does he fit? You know, the X, Y, Z, if you want to get into that. But also, how does he change the way that the passing game will evolve and how quickly it will develop? Look, I mean, that's going to be up to Justin and DJ. You know, they went to the Bulls game, the, the you know, the first night they were together in Chicago a week ago. They're trying to build chemistry, trying to build a relationship. DJ Moore is a guy that is, you know, known for his separation ability. Uh, he's got a toughness about him. He's going to give you a, a, an option in the passing game. And this is by far, to me, Tremaine Edmonds is probably second in the list of players that they brought in, the most impactful because of what he means for 2023, because what he means for the evaluation of Justin Fields in a pivotal year. And I, look, like Ryan Poles will tell you that he has um, sort of this attraction to resilience, right? And that's become a theme for him recently. And he's, he's talked openly about the, the year that the Chiefs won the Super Bowl when he was there and them being behind by double digits in every one of their playoff games, you know, down 24 to nothing in the divisional round of the Texans, down 10 points to the Titans in the AFC Championship game, down late in the game by double digits to the 49ers in the Super Bowl. And they had a team that just didn't buckle, that, that just never blinked and just understood that, hey, we do things the right way and we're going to be able to play successful football. He's looking for more of those guys. You have to have resilience and then you have to have playmaking ability. And so the combination of those two things in DJ Moore is very attractive to the Bears because they see a guy who's been through some stuff during his time in Carolina, seen quarterback changes left and right, and still been able to produce, still been able to keep his head down, still been able to, to master that NFL maximum, control what you can control, right? And that's what DJ Moore is. And I think he, he means a lot for where they can head in 2023. Now, I like the modern NFL offenses. I'm thinking of the 49ers. There are other examples, but they have guys that are somewhat weapons in a positionless attack. And when you talk about that, it's guys who have versatility to on one down, they're, uh, say, in DJ Moore's case, he's the outside receiver yeah. because that's what they want to focus on. On the other side, he's out in the backfield. Maybe the next down, he's in the slot, depending on down and distance and situation. Is he one of those guys that is this well, 
piece do you think to Luke Getze? I mean, certainly he's going to be to some extent. Now, I don't, I would not think of him as like a Debo Samuel who's going to get, you know, a boatload of carries out of the backfield. You're going to be able to use him in in, in um, ball carrier mode at times when you want to, when it, when it fits. And he can move around for you as a receiver as well, which is a nice thing to have. And you can use him inside, outside, and, and move him around in that regard. I'm really excited, David, to get to Arizona next week because it is that 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 point where the general manager and the head coach get to take a deep breath and they get to spend a little bit more time expressing their vision for some of the moves that they've just made and how they see certain guys uh, fitting. And so I think next week's going to be really educational because of all of the, the new bodies, right? We're talking about six on offense to this point, four on defense. Um, and, and DJ Moore is one of those that, that I think we're going to learn a lot more from, from Ryan and, and Matt uh, in the weeks to come about just how big his role can be. I think any receiver that comes into your organization or the one that you cover, whatever, there's always going to be, they're going to, people are going to, when you're asked to describe him, look at the worst result possible or the things that are his weaknesses or he had problems with, and then kind of maybe mask over some of the strengths. With DJ Moore, I think we were talking to an analyst last week from Carolina and he mentioned, well, there early on, there were some drops issues. Is that something that has followed him? Is that something that you're concerned about DJ Moore's hands in Chicago? I, and not to some great level. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. I'm more concerned uh, on whether he can be a, a third and seven go-to guy, right? And, and and can Justin develop that trust quickly? You know, we got we to gotta get into a, a situation with the Chicago Bears offense in 2023 where the ball is moving through the air on third down. The ball is moving through the air in the fourth quarter, and it's not just all on the legs of the explosive quarterback to to, to do the fireworks show. And so, um, look, like you heard from P.J. Walker last week about <laughs> understanding that in crunch time you can you can go his way and he'll make big plays. They have one obviously high profile example uh, in a, in a game deciding moment that obviously we documented last week went a different way after the penalty and the extra point miss. But you've got a guy there that 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 hopefully quickly becomes that bullseye for Justin, and he just locks onto it and, and goes that way, understanding that you also have Darnell Mooney to compliment him. In terms of significance, the second most important addition to the offense is Nate Davis. He's going to start on one side, either left or right, but he's going to be a starting guard. I think much of what they do with Nate Davis will depend on the draft, maybe how quickly people develop. They also are going to look at all different combinations. We heard um, from Ryan Pohl say the five best will play. He has been historically a right guard. I don't yes. think he's played left since college. college. Yep. Um, what does he offer in terms of durability? He is coming off an injury plague season. He ended the year on IR. Any lingering concerns there? What is the overall consensus on a Nate Davis? I always have lingering concerns with guys who ended the year on IR until I get to see them with my own eyes. You know, that's it's kind of an eye test thing, and we'll get that in May, hopefully, just to, to make sure that everything looks right. You know, there are times where <laughs> you can see – a hitch in a guy's gate and you go, Oh, that doesn't look quite right. Or you can see something else. Nate Davis has played his entire NFL career at right guard. It would be shocking to me if the bears gave him $30 million and told him, Hey, we're going to move you to the left side. You know, that seems like that's his position now. And you know, right. that Tevin Jenkins right. was kind of the guy at the end of the year that was uh, starting at right guard. Tevin's got to move over uh, to the left side or move into a backup role. And we'll see how that all evolves after they put together their draft class and things there. But I think, I think Nate Davis is your week one starter at right guard, assuming he's healthy. And now it's about, can he give you an upgrade there? Because we can't just spend the entire uh, 2022 season and the first three months of the off season, say the offensive line is weak. It's not good enough for Justin Fields and then make one addition and say, okay, we're sturdy there. Now you and I both 
are, are, are very much of the expectation that they're going to go out in the draft somewhere and, and draft a tackle, you know, and figure out where to go from there. But they've got a lot of moving parts there, and they never, ever solidified that entire group due to injury and lineup inconsistency and, and everything else in 2022, and it was detrimental. And I think the one thing we don't know, uh, there are two things we don't know, among others. What is the commitment level to Tevin Jenkins, and how, what did they think of the year that he had in 2022? And how do they feel about Cody Whitehair? And if he feels, uh, if they feel like he is a capable center and he would answer a lot of questions by putting him there, well, that makes sense to me. He made the Pro Bowl in 2018. It seems like it was a long time ago, but he also was a veteran that you, I think you're better with him than without him. And Tevin Jenkins, right or left side, if he's entrenched at right guard and he's an asset there, and, and Nate Davis can play the left side, it seems to me like you would have three veterans across the interior that if they could stay healthy would give you something to feel good about. And then you feel around the tackles as the kind of, uh, maybe it's a rookie, maybe it's Braxton Jones, but that could be your five if things fall into place. Right. And, and hopefully quickly, you know, we got the training camp last year and they said the sooner the better. Well, that sooner the better uh, mantra still, still stands because they need to get things as solid as possible walking into September with Justin Fields, because we're setting this up to be a major, major test of what his future uh, in the league is. And obviously his future with Chicago bears is let's move on in terms of the running game to the running back. Dante Foreman from the Panthers comes over. He's a journeyman in the NFL has overcome injuries has yeah. overcome personal adversity. Dan, I'll take you back to college. You know, I love college football. We both do, but Dante Foreman had 2000 yards at Texas yep. as a senior. Yep. Goodness sakes, this guy was coming out and coming in the league hot. And he's still very confident. I don't think you ever lose that bravado if you're a running back who's had that degree of success at a place like Texas in college. I'm curious what you think about that addition. He is ob absolutely cheaper one year, $3 million than David Montgomery would have been. And as he will tell you, he was more productive last year than David Montgomery. So I don't know what the Bears have. Maybe he's going to be a guy that, if he can stay healthy, that's a big if. He ends right. up leading them in rushing. That, that well, wouldn't be crazy. It's not a crazy thought. I, I need to see more from him. My, my genuine curiosity is what they value about his bruising nature, because I think that there was kind of an expectation that speed was going to be something that you were going to prioritize in the running back position. And this, he's not a, a slow guy, but he's not a burner by any stretch of the imagination. And so you're going to have to work around that. Now, I've had a chance in the last week to familiarize myself with Deontay Foreman's uh, history, which I wasn't aware of in terms of number one, he was out of the league for a little while and making plans to run his trucking company. <laughs> you know, he thought his days in the NFL were over before he resurfaced in Tennessee in 2021. And then we get late in the 2021 season and Derrick Henry gets hurt and he gets an opportunity and he showcases himself well. And then he goes on to Carolina. And last year they make that October trade to Christian McCaffrey across to the other coast in San Francisco. And, and he gets another opportunity and he makes the most of that with the best season he's had to date in terms of the way he ran the ball and the success he had. And so when we go back to that earlier conversation about resilience, about a guy who um, has been through some things early in his career, uh, Achilles tendon injury, uh, a biceps tear, he's, he's had some things go astray and he thought he was out of the league. And then when he gets back in, every time he's been given a chance the last two years, he's taken advantage of it. That makes me excited if I'm inside the building at Hallis Hall and saying, okay, we're going to be able to squeeze something out of a guy who is who is consistently determined and has made the most of opportunities given to him. I just want to hear a little bit more about the fit uh, and just how he fits into the offense and, and, and whether you're still interested in walking into the draft weekend in late April and trying to find a guy that has that, that, that speed sizzle to him. 
as you can imagine, he's a product of his experiences. They have framed who he is. So when he had a chance to address the Bears media for the first time, he was asked what he has learned through the adversity he has gone through. Well, I learned a lot about myself um, just due to my injuries, through, um, you know, losing my dad, just, you know, just the pressure stages I went through, um, you know, being injured, um, not being able to play at the level that I wanted to play at. Um, and it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about my resistance. It taught me a lot of, a lot about, you know, just the growth that I needed to, you know, get to, um, start seeing things differently, not even just in football, but just in life. Um, as a man, just growing, um, trying to be better um, outside of football, just just as a person, um, and just trying to figure out, you know, what was what was causing me to, you know, have those type of depressions and not be as happy as I wanted to be. And I think that um, as I, I as I kind of went through that phase of my life, I think it just changed, you know, changed a lot about me, changed a lot about my mentality and the, the way I look at things, the way I view situations. And um, you know, I think that's helped me a lot you know um, I've grown a lot um, and I just want to continue to grow continue to get better as a person as a football player um, you know just keep, and just keep elevating that's a motivated running back Dan yeah I think it was the fall 2021 he referenced the the passing of his father he died in a Freightliner accident you know a really tragic event and and you you understand that um, you know, these are human beings who have been through a lot of stuff. And, and, and so it's going to be really, uh, I guess, fun to get to know Deontay Foreman a little bit better uh, in the spring months and then watch him uh, progress into training camp and see how he, how he maximizes this latest opportunity. And we can describe everything he is as a runner, but it's better to hear from him himself. This is how he described Deontay Foreman, the runner. I think I'm a tough, a tough runner, hard-nosed runner. Um, but also feel like, you know, I got a little finesse. Um, you know, I could – make some guys miss. I think that's another part of my game that I want to kind of um, instill is, you know, getting better in the open field, making guys miss in the open field. But I think breaking tackles and, you know, just setting up my runs, setting up the blocks um, and getting really what I want. I think that's probably, a, you know, a big thing, big part of my game. And also I think what people don't give me credit for because I haven't been able to show it a lot with the teams I've been on was, you know, how well I actually catch the ball and, you know, what I could do in the backfield as far as being a receiver. I think, um, you know, that's something that I really want to showcase. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to it, man. I think, uh, you know, being here, if I get that opportunity, I think it'll, you know, take my game to a different level. I think you'll get the opportunities. Khalil Herbert has to stay healthy. It's a good one-two punch. They may draft a guy still. Yeah. Dan may, wouldn't preclude them from doing that, but I think Foreman goes in as a guy that's going to get a lot of touches. The contract you gave him doesn't require you to give him a lot of touches if you find someone else you like better. And so that's just something to prepare yourself for. I need to see what happens on draft weekend, how many guys they bring in, if there is a running back as part of that mix, how they, how they kind of envision that guy fitting in. But you certainly have a proven productive pro who's done a lot the last two years to show that he's back on uh, solid ground, both physically and, and emotionally. And, and so hopefully they can take advantage of that. Speaking of someone who's overcome a lot through an ACL injury and surgery, Robert Tanyan, the tight end from the Packers, who apparently always considered himself a bear, was <laughs> destined to play uh, for the Bears growing up in McHenry, Brian Urlacher fan. I love this kind of backstory, but Dan, from a football perspective, if he stays healthy, he gives Justin Fields another red zone option. I remember when he was bursting onto the scene, it was more than just maybe Aaron Rodgers helped create Robert Tanyan, but he made clutch catches when he needed to, and he deserves the credit for being able to ascend and become the player that was sought after in free agency. I think this is a pretty interesting addition. 
Well, I think back to last preseason, um, and you know, I wrote a story going into the, the the home opener of the preseason about these local kids that were so eager to play for the Bears at the time. It was Jack Sanborn and Michael Schofield and Micah Du Treadway, and you had this whole host of, host of guys that were eager to take advantage of that opportunity. Well, now you've added T.J. Edwards and, and Robert Tunyon to that list, and um, we joke about it, but I, I, it is almost like the, this this coaching staff in this front office has has put that as a box on their checklist that it's a plus if a guy has the hometown passion for the organization because they think they can squeeze more out of it. Um, I don't know that there's anything to that, but I, I don't know. Do you agree? It just, it feels like it's, it's become more than a coincidence at this point. All these guys that have wound up wearing this uniform that, that wore it as kids out of their own schoolyard. It's on brand. And I, it's a little hokey if that is a factor <laughs> in the, in the evaluation, I, I think it's gotta be more coincidence than, design I, I i hope so because while it's an important thing and you love the idea of having players who care that much that they're going to be giving that much extra on sunday for the team they grew up rooting for as a kid i i don't know that you go out and you pursue those guys because of that i think it's part of the maybe it's a bonus it's a trait it's something like oh i didn't know that that's great but i i, I don't know i i think that it is very undeniable because yeah. <laughs> they've got their own imagine i think it's probably a good way too to ensure that you're, that soldier field's never going to be you know empty Apathy's yeah not going to be as big of a problem when you have all these locals family fest in august going to be a a, a a raucous time once again look like robert tunyon is a guy who you know, by his own admission last year struggled to get back to the level that he wanted to be at at coming off the acl injury i'm i'm still curious to to, to kind of feel out how he makes his way with a quarterback that isn't a first ballot hall of famer you know it's really easy to have your production are you sure about that yet can you say that about justin fields yet are you (laughs) are you are you picking him apart again dan he's not a first ballot hall of famer he's not a no doubt first ballot hall of famer i'll put that on record here on march 20th 2023 on the take the north podcast um but but look like tanyan you know he's a guy that that can give you something. The one thing I do like is the familiarity with Luke Getze. So those two guys familiarizing themselves with one another shouldn't take very long. And you've got a guy that, that can kind of come in here and his role should be defined quicker than others because the offensive coordinator theoretically should know a lot about who he is and what he isn't. And who he is is somebody who has overcome his own ACL tear. And that alone gives him something. He, he overcame the adversity. He was bursting onto the scene. 2021, he had to deal with something he really hadn't dealt with much before, and this is how he described what he went through. Just kind of for me, it was just get back on the field as quick as possible, just in terms of my mental, because I just wanted to play football. Um, and uh, I came back in 10 months, I don't know, probably got like maybe nine or 10 practices in before I played the first game. You know, didn't miss a game or a practice all year. Um, you know, it, it is different. It's difficult because, you know, you don't play football for a whole year. And your body and mind kind of check out of the actual football aspect of things, uh, like neurologically speaking. Um, you know, your body's not used to those movements and playing and straining and stuff like that. Uh, but towards the end of the year, like the last four games after our late bye week, um, I just kind of started feeling like myself again and being able to put like my brand of football out there uh, that I was seeking and. Um, just kind of ended strong and just gave me, you know, a better feeling about going into the offseason and going into this uh, process. Smart addition, Robert Tanyan. I like the I like the role that he could play. Did you ever tear your ACL? 
No, I, I had a bad sprain, had to miss a game with the, no, I, I was able to avoid the knife. Me, me neither. I became familiar in 2012 covering Adrian Peterson's well-documented recovery from the ACL tear about proprioception, which is part of what Robert Tunyon was alluding to there, which is like your, your, your brain's ability to understand the movements after you've had this reconstructive surgery. And, and it does take some guys a little longer than others to get that, to get that connection back and, and to get that feeling back. And so it was really interesting to kind of hear him touch on that a little bit and we'll see where he is at in the spring and and obviously feels like he's uh on the right path to to being back to who he wants to be let's quickly get through the last two guys who they're adding to the offensive depth chart travis homer who is running back three rb3 i guess and pj walker qb2 because trevor simeon was waived after or since our last podcast and i think it's interesting because pj walker uh, is not stylistically like Justin Fields uh, as much as maybe Trevor Simeon was. I, I, that was a little bit of a surprise, Dan, once they start looking at um, the profile and the background. He has accomplished. He is a former Panther, which might qualify him uniquely for this uh, offseason. Yeah. But um, I'm not sure about that move. I don't know how good I feel about that, even though it was experience. Travis Homer, good guy for special teams, so that one makes sense. Well, fun interview I had the other day with Joe Personally, the Athletic, who's very familiar with all these former Panthers. And the one thing that that I took away from his analysis of P.J. Walker is just the fact that this guy has come in and won, right? Like he's been a QB2, and he's been needed at a moment's notice a couple different times and has shown the ability to go win a football game, right? And, and and sometimes that's a big part of the battle in this league, particularly in Chicago where QB2 usually gets one start per year at least, right? I don't know the last time we've had a guy start every single game of the regular season. It was probably Cutler in 2009 maybe, um, to be honest. Right. You know, I, I, did, did Mitch – in 17 no so uh, yeah so it's uh it's likely that we will see pj walker on the field at some point in 2023 throwing it around and he's shown an ability to to be productive when called upon now you also want a guy in the room that can be a valuable resource to your starter and that's going to be up to pj and justin to build that relationship however they see they need to build it and that's always a fascinating dynamic that a lot of fans don't consider um, but your starting quarterback usually gives the number two guy some homework assignments every week, and there better be a connection there to help that process move along. Because again, this all comes back this entire 2023 year. We can talk about a thousand players, and all of it is going to hinge on whether Justin Fields takes the big leaps that people expect him to in 2023. Travis Homer comes from the Seahawks. He was proud of his pass blocking. He will get a chance to do that if he plays and is a third down guy. Do you see him supplanting Travis or Ebner? Is, is he going to be out of a, a job now? What What is the crowded running back room looking like? Yeah, I mean, Tristan Ebner would still be Tristan eligible Ebner, yeah. for your for your uh, practice squad if you needed him to. Uh, I mean, Travis Homer's a special teams guy right now, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's a, he's a third running back and a guy that's going to help you in all four phases of special teams. And so uh, he'll find his role pretty quickly. Dan, last two things I want to touch on, uh, one related to the quarterback class and one related yeah. to Ryan Poles. Let's start with the quarterback class. It's an interesting dynamic because before the trade, there was the suggestion that Ryan Poles was going to wait until uh, he, he saw somebody, it would require somebody to blow him away uh, before they would, you know, not, uh, before they would want to draft that guy number one overall. It's a very different scenario now. I wonder, pros and cons, yeah. do you go through your evaluation process with all four quarterbacks, even though you're sitting there at nine? And it's really unlikely to create a scenario. You'd have to be very 
uh, outlandish to come up with a proposal that would make sense why the Bears would draft a quarterback there. So why would they evaluate them? So, so th- this is an interesting conversation to me, David, because I think the minute that you pulled the trigger on that trade and got rid of the number one pick, you closed the door on your evaluations to a large extent on the 2023 quarterback class. Now, the reason I bring it up, and this isn't being critical, but it's worth worthy of conversation, is you promised going into the offseason that you were going to do your due diligence on this class, which presumably meant going to all their pro days, which presumably meant maybe bringing a couple in to Hallis Hall for a top 30 visit to see how they are on the board, to see if they blew you away, to put them through a private workout, to see kind of how the ball comes off their hands, what their movement skills are like. And now you've closed the door on that. Is it a mistake? I don't know. Uh, is it worth asking? Certainly, you know, because like you had the number one pick in this draft, you know, and so this that was an opportunity, if so desired, to change course at quarterback. I understand completely why they're not. You and I have talked about it even before Ryan Poles coined the phrase stay the course. The Take the North podcast was saying stay the course and and see it through. Right. And so right through they will and see it through. They they have to. But you can't discount the possibility that five years from now, we're looking back and going, my God, why didn't they take more time to allow themselves to be open-minded to being blown away by Bryce young. And so it, it, you know, again, I'm not being critical, but I don't think it's out of line to to bring up that conversation. I also think that it's just smart business and it's good networking and there's nothing to be, it's only time. And, and if you have it, use it wisely. And so what is there, you're not going to, you're not going to be sorry for getting to know everything you can about Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson. One, because you never know when, in fact, you might be in a room across from them negotiating uh, a contract uh, during free agency. You may not, you never know when you might be facing them yeah. in a Super Bowl, and you might <laughs> want to know every tendency that there is or a playoff game or whatever the case may be. I think the more information you can gather, the better off you're going to be, and there's still – you know, a month, over a month until the draft. If you have the time, finish the process if you've already started it. And if you haven't started it, shame on you. You should have. So, yeah, see, that's the latter part, right, is how far along did you get and how thick are those files inside the offices at Hallis Hall on each of those quarterbacks? And if they're not fully filled out, well, then that's, again, it's not worthy of criticism, but it's worthy of of putting a star on and saying, let's revisit this in 2027. Yeah, I think because that's that's the thing with Ryan Poles, I would think when you regather and after the first wave, you maybe take a deep breath this week, you start to examine all kinds of things. You have these conceptual conversations, I hope, that are theoretical, but also, you know, say a lot about how invested you are in the process. And if you are invested fully in the process, see this through as well, you know, see it through to the end conclusion to find out what you think and where they would be on your draft board, just for the sake of consistency. Frankly, that's how good managers manage. That's how good leaders lead. They take the same approach regardless of what's happened. So if, if they made a trade where it makes it unlikely that they would draft a quarterback at number nine. It's still not impossible. And what if they move back and they're at 17 and, oh, my gosh, they, for whatever reason, somebody dropped down and the, you have to go through, you have to finish it, and you have to see what you got. Well, I'll push us onto the bridge for your last topic here because part of this is tied to Ryan Poles's um, continued transparency and openness and uh, willingness to talk through philosophy and approach to this entire offseason with some of the national media. And, and he's sort of said that there was like a moment for him where he worried that the um, 
hype, I, I don't know, the hype or the, the worth or the value of this quarterback class would recede between the middle of March and the start of the draft, you know, and he, he, he worried that that would down value the assets he was working with. And so I, I, I guess we'll use that as a transition into some thoughts you have about well, it. Well, it's interesting. <laughs> here's, here's what I find interesting. He spoke to Peter King in Monday morning or football morning in America. Yeah. And then he spoke to Albert Breer from SI.com. Both are highly respected national reporters. And he said similar things to both guys. They were presented differently, but basically both cases came through for me this. Number one, he thought about move, tr keeping uh, trading down twice. He was very open about, well, you know, I could have kept it and moved down to two and moved from two to nine, but I didn't do that. And I wonder what the value is in throwing that out there. Secondly, he talked about the historical nature of the trade and the historic, he was thinking about these things when, while that's very honest, and I don't want to fault anybody for being that transparent because these are good interviews and they were fascinating quotes. I want my general manager, frankly, to be more worried about making progress than history because if, without making progress, you won't make history. You'll, you'll be unemployed before long. So I found it interesting how open he was about the, the types of emotions he was feeling because rarely do you hear that. So I don't want to fault him for that necessarily, but I also don't think it revealed somebody that was in complete control of a direction he wanted to go. There was a lot more vacillating than I think you um, maybe thought originally. And he was pretty open about that to both, both national reporters. When you sit in the chair that I sit in and you're hoping that you get paired up with general managers and coaches who are willing to be transparent and forthright and honest, I, I find it difficult to um, worry when they start talking a lot because the whole goal is to get them to talk a lot and talk more and talk more from our seat. But I know exactly what you're saying. And there is a, a, a little bit to this now where we have things from the general manager's own mouth that we can use over time to judge the success of this trade, right. And, and where he was at, um, you know, what he thought he could get done with Houston. And then again, from moving, you know, his goal of, of trying to do something historic, move from one to two and then two to nine, uh, then feeling a little bit worried that it wasn't going to work out. There are a lot of machinations to the, the thought process that led to the eventual trade that they made. I think the more, you know, about how a general manager made his way from point A to Z on a decision, the better you are equipped to judge it fairly down the road. And so all this stuff, I think, for you and I is, is a, a major plus in being able to, to evaluate this over the next month, two months, month, year, two years. I agree with that. I, I, I think sometimes, and you can't have it every way, right? But I do think that when you ask for or benefit from the candor of somebody you're covering or interviewing, from a broader perspective, you want that candor to inspire confidence, not sure. necessarily doubt. And, 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 I, and I don't know where I am yet with, with Ryan Poles, to be honest with you, because I just don't know if the way he went about this, I applaud the trade, but then I don't understand the free agent approach. And I'll, I'll applaud the draft pick of uh, Braxton Jones, but I yeah. don't know. I mean, it's a very mixed bag for me after one year on the job. Well, and so I think I'm still trying to figure out exactly the way I feel. So if I want to be a fan and I want to believe everything's good yeah. and it's all rosy, then I'm going to see this is great. This is terrific. Uh, transparency. Thank you, Ryan. But I'm not a fan and I'm looking at this objectively and I just don't know how to interpret it yet. Here's 
part of how I would interpret it. And I think you're justified and reasonable and scratching your head on some of this. Part of how I would interpret it is this is a 37 year old general manager doing a lot of things for the first time. I remember conversations in 2015, 16 and 17 with Ryan Pace, where it became very clear that this was a uh, leader working through his inexperience. Right. And that's going to come with with the job. And so I think in some regards, Ryan Poles now is doing similar things. I think he's, he, you know, last week he, he made an open admission uh, when he met with us at Hallis Hall about, you know, going through the contract negotiation process in this way to this level for really the first or maybe second time, if you go back to last year and still having to feel things out and find his way in that regard. And so there 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 are levels of inexperience that you can only get through with more experience. And this is an example of that where it is a mixed bag. And sometimes a mixed bag is a byproduct of having a guy who's 37 and trying this for the first time on his own and is is going to you know try to feel his way out to a, a place where he's comfortable both with the decisions he makes and the way he explains the decisions he makes. Last thing for me on this, I respect his willingness to be open about the process because that is something we don't see all the time in the NFL. I think by the same token, by, by, by peeking behind the curtain, it's okay not to feel great about everything you see and everything you hear. And I don't yet feel great about everything that I see and hear. Uh, and maybe that makes puts me in the minority, but that's okay because it is very early in the process and it's great to get draft picks, but now you have to do something with them to look like the trade is as good as it appears on paper early on. So I don't want to criticize him for talking too much. I'm not doing that. Uh, but I do think that it does stand out because it is somewhat unusual to have a, a young general manager take this approach. Well, so I'm going to give you just one other footnote on this because I come from a background, it, my start in the league in Minnesota a decade ago where they were very forthright. You know, I, I th this past week I dug up a, a piece I did on draft philosophy and draft reasoning uh, with sit downs with Rick Spielman and George Payton and Scott Studwell in the Vikings organization where they felt comfortable sharing as much as possible to let you know why they were doing things and, and how they were doing things. Uh, I bring that up because part of what I was digging into that is going to be a, a fodder for our conversation in a couple of weeks about hit rates in the draft and, and how they go about doing things. But I, I, I bring up that Vikings example because Kevin Warren was in that organization, right? And Kevin Warren is now Ryan Poles' boss. And it'd be interesting to hear the kinds of conversations they're having behind the scenes on, Hey, Ryan, you know, good idea, way to get out with, with some of the national folks and get our message out there. Or, Hey, you might want to pull back here or there. It'll be really interesting to see where they go. I, I do know that in Minnesota, they were okay having the book open and letting you know a lot of why they were doing what they were doing. And, 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 and then it just becomes a lot easier for us to, to interpret what we're seeing because we don't have to play the guessing game. As much. I think that's a great point because Kevin Warren, his arrival has coincided with this openness. I don't know if that's, uh, uh, yeah, it could be purely coincidental it could honestly, be, or it could be purely by the book, the way that they're kind of doing business now, but what, let's wait and see. We've said enough about that for this. There's plenty of time to talk about it further. All right, Dan, anything else we forgot? No, I'm going to call Peter King today and tell him how we stole DJ Reimer with the fifth pick of the 10U House League baseball draft. Yeah. And I'm going to give him all the machinations of what went down at the yard house at the Glen on Saturday morning in order to, to make yeah. that pick oh, reality. That's great. Let me know if he's changed his voicemail because I imagine that's all as far as you're going to get. <laughs> all right. So for Dan Weeder, for Adam Stutzinski, thank you to, for listening to Take the North on your free Odyssey app. Thank you for watching on 670 Scores YouTube page. I'm David Hoff from the Mullinghaw Show. 
We will talk to you next time later this week. Great talk. See you out there.